Welcome to our podcast, a quest to engage and unpack our African experiences, a celebration of our identities, our successes, a fearless voyage into ourselves. Zazi. Hi, Christine. Hello, fellow friends. Welcome to our third episode of the Zazi podcast. Good morning, Patricia. It's morning, by the way, from our studios out here at the Solid Gold Podcast. Yes. And yeah, welcome to our June's uh, offering of uh, the Zazi podcast. So, Christine, what did we say we're going to talk about this month of June? Well, remember at the end of the past episode, you had sort of teased our appetite for the Congo experience. And I'm kind of so ready to do that, just on the back of the fact that I've been traveling a little bit of Africa. Yes. So, I mean, if you can take me somewhere else, I am here for it. Yes, no, definitely. We're going to talk more about Congo. And the reason we're talking about Congo is because June 30th is the, um, independ- it's the National Day of Congo, the Independence Day, which is also happens to be my birthday. So, yeah, so as um, usually I'm the one who need to receive birthday gifts, but I'm going to give gift our friends, our listeners with a journey into Congo. How does that sound? That sounds like a vibe. But Christine, uh, before we dive into our topic of the day, how are you doing? Uh, what was the, um, I mean, it feels like we colleague, we're supposed to see each other almost every day, but it feels like it's been ages I've seen you. How are you? What's up? Well, I've been a little busybody traveling and working hard. In fact, I've, I've just come back from, well, not just, but earlier in the month of May, I had traveled to Lusaka in Zambia as well as Eswatini for the Bushfire Festival. And so I'm sort of coming back into myself. But then again, I'm also traveling again next week. So it's where, just, where are you going? Uh, next week we head out to Namibia, but I'll tell you all about it when I get back. How's that for a plan? Oh, amazing. So much Pan-African travels. Lucky you. I love it. Love I that. know. I am so <laughs> favored. <laughs> I think one day we, we should just have an episode on traveling and all these, yeah, experiences around travels, uh, traveling across Africa. How True. does that sound? Because there are some exciting travel bloggers, travel podcast exactly. hosts. So yeah, I actually think that it's so critical to have the opportunity to to travel and oftentimes it helps you better appreciate where you're from and other times it also helps to open up your mind to other people and if you can start traveling locally start traveling the continent travel where you can and how you can and of course listen to travel opportunities like this and i love that because like you say traveling doesn't mean that you always have to go like far i mean like you said you can just travel across yeah regionally locally just discover your own background if i can say that but that's amazing i didn't do much of travel um (laughs) lately but on my side, I survived um, swine flu and a earthquake. <laughs> so in South Africa, uh, last Sunday, we experienced a earthquake. Do, do you know, the magnitude was something between 4.5 and 5. And the epicenter was in Boxburg, which is where... Uh, so Boxburg is in the east of Johannesburg. It falls within the Ikuruleni municipality. Yes, so I woke up to my whole house vibrating. So I think it's the first time I really felt something for that um, magnitude. As and the funny thing is, you live significantly far from Boxburg. Exactly. So which which means that it was yeah, it was quite strong. I mean, yeah, it was two minutes. It was it was so yeah, it was a very interesting experience. But I hope we don't get to experience something stronger than the one we did because I'm sure after that point we'll have like house crumblings and stuff. But yeah, that was that's all from my side. And the swine flu is a real thing too, mind you. Exactly. Because actually June in South Africa, it's very cold. I know a lot of people, they don't imagine Africa being that cold. But yeah, in South Africa, it gets very cold between the month of what? June, July, August. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, yeah, we're here busy drinking coffee, tea. And yes, we hope that this episode that we're going to dive into will be like a sort of a warm and cozy one. Because like we said, I'm taking you to Congo. 
That is the spirit. And as you speak about warm and cozy, I think to myself about my own first pictures or understandings of the Congo. Exactly. And Tell me more. Because I went to school with um, girls from all, all across the continent. And in fact, there were two young ladies who were from what is today known as the DRC. Mm-hmm. But the one in the time that she was at school, uh, her name was Pamela. I can't remember her last name, but she was from Zaire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I will, I will get more into she was from Zaire. Yeah. And so actually Zaire is another name I've been obsessed with naming someone's child. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is a beautiful name. Yeah. Um, does it mean something? So Zaire, the name Zaire actually, so Zaire, so Congo, uh, was form, form, formerly known as Zaire between 1960, uh, around 1965. To 1997, it was actually the former president Mobutu who named it at, at Zaire, and actually, uh, <clears throat> actually Zaire is the name of uh, one of the um, one of the um, river or something in Congo. And apparently, when um, the Portuguese, because the Portuguese were the first uh, European people to arrive in Congo, and when they were asking people like, "Oh, what what's the name of this river?" People said they were saying something like Nzadi or something, but them, they heard Zaire. So they, they were calling it Zaire. So apparently that's the origin uh, story of Zaire. But also, um, I know, um, one of my previous uh, colleague was, um, she was uh, from Cape Town, colored uh, from Cape Town, but she, she, she was Muslim and her son's name was Zaire, Z-A-H-I-R. And she said in Arabic, it's mean a little companion or something like that. So it's a beautiful name. So that's the name of Zaire. So I think, Christine, that's a perfect introduction because um, when I was preparing this um, this episode, I asked my son, Alex, who is 10, I'm like, I'm preparing something. I need to to talk to friends, to friends, actually, about Congo. What would you like to know about Congo? And so he said, my first question is, why are they two Congo? <laughs> so I'm like, that's interesting. So which, uh, so I'm going to start with few facts, few interesting facts about Congo. Okay. Actually, I'm here for that too, because that is another one. <laughs> Congo Brazzaville, right? Uh, yes. Congo Brazzaville. So, uh, so actually, uh, there are two Congo that are separated by the mighty Congo River, which is one of the biggest rivers in the world, I believe. And, um, so both Congos are situated on, on the river banks of the, of this, uh, of this large, uh, large uh, river. So, um, the Congo where I'm from, which is the biggest in landmass, it's Congo, people call it Congo Kinshasa. It's formerly known as Zaire or the Belgian Congo and the colonization. And the capital is Kinshasa. And the other Congo, it's, um, the Republic, the Republic of Congo. The capital is Brazzaville. Uh, Brazzaville, uh, the uh, Congo Brazzaville was colonized by the French and Congo Kinshasa or known now as the Democratic Republic of Congo, is known as, um, I mean, the capital is Kinshasa. So it's Brazzaville and Kinshasa. Congo Brazzaville, Congo Kinshasa. This is how usually people refer it. So some interesting facts about Congo. Like I said, um, uh, so talking about Kinshasa and Brazzaville, actually, these are two of the closest capitals in the world. Uh, so when I've, I've never been to um, Brazzaville, unfortunately, but when you are in Kinshasa and you are on those high rise build, uh, building by the, um, by the river, you can literally see into Brazzaville. Uh, apparently, there's the, they are the closest capitals in the world and people, Actually, on the daily, people, they go across the river. They just take this rapid boat. And I, I never done that, but apparently it's under 30 minutes. You're just the other side. So what is the nature of the relationship between the two Congos, this people, if that's grammatically correct? Yes. Uh, so so you, you said the relationship between the people? Correct. Uh, so um, I think uh, Brazzaville, people of Brazzaville, of Kinshasa, I think we've, we share some uh, ethnic group across bo- both rivers. Um, the Bakongo people and also we share the language which is Lingala. People uh, in Kinshasa and people in Brazzaville they both speak Lingala in, and in terms of culture, uh, the music the rumba, Congolese rumba we share the same sort of heritage around the music and but I know also when I talk because I've got some, I know some people from there as most countries there always a little bit of rival, rival, uh, rivalry um, I know they've got some 
they've got some stereotypes uh, about us. We do some stereotype about them. And but but I believe the relationship is kind of cordial. Sometimes there's a bit of uh, political things here and there. But um, I, I didn't really. Uh, grow up or live in Kinshasa so and I never been to Brazzaville I don't know much it would be interesting if someone from the other Congo can listen to us and tell tell us about how they feel but um but I think it's been quite uh I, I know that people on the daily they, they I think on the daily for business trades um for so many things I think people they just <laughs> up on and off across the river <laughs> well no that's good so long as there's they are cordial like exactly another interesting fact so you know the Hiroshima uh, the atomic bombing of Hiroshima so Congo was somehow part of it because the uranium used in the um, in the Fabrication, is that the correct word? That is right. Uh, yes, um, of the bomb. Um, it comes from a mine in the southeast of Congo, in the town of Likasi, and the mine is called Shinkolobwe. So this is where the uranium they use come from. You must know, I'm pretty sure that Congo is one of the, like, uh, primary suppliers of uranium as a resource exactly. in the world. I don't have the exact figures, but in fact, you guys as a nation, you have all sorts of resources. So that, that's another fact. Congo's is really like mineral rich. Congo's raw deposit minerals is estimated to be worth, um, in excess of 24 trillion of dollars. So a lot of people always say this is, um, a, a curse, <laughs> a blessing and a curse because to be honest, this is the source of most of our problems. All, all these wars and all these conflict, all these people want, everybody wants a bit of <laughs> a piece of all these things. And a lot of those minerals are very critical. For instance, now Colton and a lot of things are used in the latest technologies, the car, uh, car batteries, batteries, the cell phones, etc. So yes. Oh, also between uh, 1898 and 1805, Congo was actually the personal possession of King's Leopold. <laughs> it was just like a big garden. He never even set foot in Congo, but apparently... That I didn't know. He never even set foot no. in Congo? No, so apparently he was just sponsorizing all these expeditions, all these, uh, yeah, all these colonizations and expedition trips to Congo. And he, he got offered this massive land, land in Central Africa. I think uh, at the time people, they didn't uh, know that it was so rich, so diverse. I think people, they didn't have much interest in that. But yeah, but eventually it got passed on to the... Um, kingdom of belgium but yeah at first the first year it was his personal possession and he never been there <laughs> hmm no comment yeah and talking about congo um about king leopold sorry uh the colonization the rules um under king leopold is considered one of the most atrocious in the world i'm sure you've heard about people having their hands cut um millions of people were killed under the um, the colonization rules uh people they were made to to go and bring some uh rubbers and all these things yeah the minerals and stuff it, if you didn't reach your weekly or whatever target they will just can cut your hand and stuff there's a lot of stories around uh, books and histories account around that it's really considered one of the most atrocious ones so like for instance in south africa our road to democracy was paved with all sorts of incidents and milestones. And mm. one of which, which was recently celebrated, is Youth Day. Yes. Where um, school kids, high school and even primary school kids were protesting against the use of Afrikaans as a medium of instruction in schools. And so what is the story for the DRC to come from King Leopold to independence? Mm, yes, that's an interesting one. So basically, um, like I said, first it was his personal possessions. Then it went sort of, um, legalized into the, formerly the, the Belgium as a kingdom was the, um, the, the, the colonizer of, uh, of, of Congo. But, um, in the late fifties, early sixties, like most African countries, people starting to protest, even some people across in, in Europe, whatever. So the, the discourse around colonization, colonization starting to change. And yeah, so, 
so the 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 wind of uh colonization and freedom um i mean to fight against colonization and freedom across africa it it happens late 50s early 60s and this is where congo with some prominent prominent people like uh, patrice lumumba and a lot of other people young people at that time they start fighting against colonization and of course we had our um our, our independence was granted on June 30, 1960. And yes, but it was years of protest and young people at that time, people, they, I believe they were in the 20s, 30s. Patrice Lumumba was 30 something. So, yeah, so this group of, of, of youth, of young people, they are the one who, who drove the, the fight against the colonization. Okay, so it went from Lumumba to Mabuta? Mobutu. Mobutu? Yes, yes. It's a bit of a complicated, um, but in a nutshell, um, and, uh, so, uh, our independence was granted and, uh, Lumumba was a prime minister. The president was Kasavubu. But five years after that, there were a coup. Lumumba was killed and actually Mobutu access to power. It was a coup. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. So that's the story. So some, yeah, some other quick funny fact. Ah, yes. Our podcast is called, um, Buzazi. If you have have listened to our previous episode um, in Swahili, Buzazi also means uh, fertility. And I just find out that uh, Congo has the third um, fertility rate in the world with 5.7 children per woman. <laughs> I didn't really verify this fact. I saw that on um, on, a, on an American podcast. Uh, I believe it's, yes, I believe it's true. I was about to say how many kids in your family? Five. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what I said. I know a lot of families, five, six, eight. Well, that's my parents' generation mostly. Now, of course, people tend to have <laughs> less kids. But yeah, five, it's really common to see family between five and five and ten. So, so the, when I saw that, I was like, that's interesting in light of the name of our podcast. Correct. <laughs> Do you, would you know the fertility rate in South Africa? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> but I think fertility is another one of those subjects that we should bank for a future exactly. topic. Yes, exactly. And yeah, of course, uh, Congo is home to the oldest national park in Africa, the Virung- Virunga Park, which is home to the rare mountains, the, those gorilla mountains. I'm sure you've seen them. I never, I never seen them. And Unfortunately, they are they are threatened uh, uh, because of poachings and all these guerrilla. Also, all these uh, wars and guerrilla that happened to that regions. But yeah, it's uh, Congo. So the east eastern Congo, the Viruga uh, Virunga National Park is home to uh, those rare um, uh, gorilla mountains. And also, um, yes, I was thinking for the soccer fanatics, there's a lot of prominent players who comes from Congo. Romelo, do you know a bit of, uh, do you follow um, soccer? No, but I, no, let's not pretend. Um, no. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so some prominent players in all these uh, European teams are from Congo. For instance, it's Romelo Lukaku, I think. I, I cannot tell you where he plays, but I know he's from, he plays from the national Belgian team. He's from Congo. There's also Kipembe. And also, if you listen to French and, um, French, Belgium, uh, music, urban rap music, a lot of them are from Congo origin. There's Gims, there's Damzo. And also from the NBA fanatics, maybe uh, uh, one of the prominent uh, players in the 90s. Can you guess who is? Who is? Well, you l- no, you must tell me. <laughs> Dikembe Mutombo. Have you heard of him? No. Oh, he's like so tall. He was one of... Which team? Okay, I'm not very very clued up on um, on my NBA fact, but I I can't remember which team he was playing for. But he's one of the most prominent African players who's starting in the NBA's Dikembe Mutombo. Americans call him Mutombo. He's from Congo as well. And yeah, I think that's about it for the fact. Oh, this is important. Congo is um is uh, one of Africa's most biodiverse nation and is the world's second largest rainforest, the Congolese rainforest, which is um, part located in the country. I, I think the first one is where in Brazil or something in Latin America, Brazil, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Congo is the second rainforest and yeah, so that's all for my fact. Now we're going to g- dive more into some historical um, events and facts that have shaped the modern Congo. And Christina will answer to your question about Zaire. Yes, so Christine, maybe you can help me. Just how about you introduce a bit? It's a short Wikipedia introduction. Um, Yeah, Congo, the traduction of Congo. 
Alrighty, so it says here that the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the DRC, also known as Congo Kinshasa and formerly known as Zaire, is a country in Central Africa. By land area, the DRC is the second largest country in Africa after Algeria. Um, and the 11th largest in the world. The national capital and largest city is Kinshasa, which is also the economic center. The country is bordered by the Republic of the Congo, Central African Republic, South Sudan, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, Tanzania, Zambia, Angola, and the Kabinda exclave of Angola, and the South Atlantic Ocean. Yes, great. <laughs> Where are you ocean facing? Um... Is the at yeah the Atlantic Ocean? What do you mean where we are? Actually, are you coastal? We coastal, but um yeah, this is another fact. For a country uh, as large or as big as Congo, apparently ours uh, coast is one of the shortest, thirty-seven kilometers something. I think it's around the city of Matadi because we do have uh uh, ports, is it a port? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's this, it's Matadi on the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Ocean, which is one of the largest ports in Africa as well. In my head, I had always thought you were landlocked. No, we could, actually, if we didn't have this little opening on the Atlantic Ocean, actually would have been landlocked. <laughs> it's the same way I learned that Namibia and Zambia are neighbors, but this, the, the, Part of Namibia that touches Zambia is so exactly. tiny. It's like a reach. <laughs> anyway, <but laughs> exactly. Oh, that's the thing. Yes. So our official languages are. I mean, yes, our official languages is French, and we've got four national languages which work as official languages, which is Kikongo, Lingala, Swahili, and Chiluba. And also, of course, it's, it's a large country, so we've got plus minus two fifty ethnic groups and 250 languages and dialects. So of the four languages that you named, which is the most spoken? Um, I would say most of us, it's really like regional. So for instance, Swahili, it's the east through the south, it's Swahili. And in the middle, it, uh, it, it will be, uh, uh, Chiluba mostly. Uh, yeah, it will, it's, it's Chiluba in the middle. And I believe in the West will be more Kikongo and Lingala. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so now guys, I'm going to talk to you about some, some events that have shaped the modern dear Congo. So with Christine, we started chatting a bit about Patrice Lumumba. So if there is something that you need to listen to or to read the translation, it's um, Lumumba independent speech uh, on June 30. So what happened is um, there was a delegation which included Lumumba of some intellectuals, some politicians, some Congolese uh, um, uh, intellectual uh, or freedom fighters, if I can call them like that. They go, they, they went to Belgium and they were discussing, they were negotiating our independence. And actually the Belgium, they were like, ah, oh, they wanted to get to grant us independence. I, I think in their plans, they wanted to give us much further, much later, like in the eighties or something. But people, they were like, no, we want our independence now and we're not going to negotiate. So they came around with the date of June 30, 1960. And all these talks uh, are called the Table Round, Round Table. It happens in Belgium. And there is a song actually called Independence Cha-Cha uh, around, the, the, around all these events, the, uh, the, the Round Table. It's a very nice song. I'm going to put that in a playlist that we're going to share with you. And so when the independence, the date was granted, uh, the king, uh, the Belgian king of the time, uh, his name is Roi Baudouin, King Baudouin. He was supposed to travel and it was supposed to be something like, oh, here I am. We're granting you the independence as if it's like, like a favor, you know, you deserve it, guys. Now we have decided it's time. Here is your independence, blah, blah, blah. So that was the nature of his speech. And then when he was talking as if it, I think it was very patronizing, like, you know, hey, like very patronizing and Lumumba didn't like it at all. So when King Baudouin was having his speech, I think the person who was supposed to talk after him was the president, then Kasavubu. And she was supposed to be like, hey, guys, thank you so much. We're so grateful, whatever. And he was actually writing like very frenetically, like he was writing something like you can Google, you can see all these images on YouTube on stories of there's a lot of images on youtube on tv whatever and he was writing and people they were like oh what is he writing then he's like oh i've got something to say and he stood up and he gave one of the most powerful speech in congo history 
les insultes, les coups que nous devions subir au matin, midi et soir, parce que nous étions des nerfs. Qui oubliera qu'à un noir, on disait tu, non certes comme à un ami, mais parce que les vous honorables étaient réservés au seul blanc. Nous avons connu que nos terres fils polliés, au nom des textes prétendument légaux, qui ne faisait que reconnaître les droits du plus fort. Nous avons connu que la loi n'était jamais la même, selon qu'il s'agissait d'un blanc ou d'un noir, accommodable pour les uns, cruel inhumain pour les autres. Yes, so his uh, quality, uh, the quality um, as an orator, it was very, it was, it's very impressive. For me, when I listen to that, I always have chills. And it's something where people, if you speak French, go and listen or just check when it was, uh, yeah, go and find um, the speech online. If you don't, you can always find some translation. Have you, have you seen it? Have you heard about it? I haven't. Okay, so I've, I've watched a lot of like documentaries mm -hmm. around African leaders. And so I have heard about it, haven't heard it, but I've seen yes. it spoken about in the exactly. context of a documentary. Yes, yes. So a lot of people use it. I mean, in yes, in African history, it's always referenced. Uh, it's praised for his use of political rhetoric. It's considered as a landmark moment in the independence Congo. But also a lot of people say it's starting his sign basically is um how do you call it his death sentence because a few years after that obviously all the, the belgians and all the um, all those um european powers if i can say they were not happy they were like oh who does he think he is it was such an embarrassment for them and yeah can i ask a question mm -hmm. so if you think of martin luther king's speech um where he says, I have a dream. Yes. So we all know that there's an I have a dream line and maybe a sentence or two after mm -hmm. that. The same with Tabombeki's speech of I am an African, mm -hmm. you know. So is there like a, a standout um, quotation from that speech that still lives on. Yeah, I wouldn't have a specific, uh, I wouldn't have a specific quotation right now on top of my head, but I remember, um, there is some, uh, there is a part when he's describing how, um, people were belittled, adults could not even wear long pants, they were, where they had, adults had to wear shorts, um, because, because they were infantilized. They were like, because you know, in French, when you talk to people with respect, you say, you, you say vous mm. and then there is two when it's familiar and there is this line where it's striking me and you can't me. say it in French by the way oh no so I don't have the sentence I don't know so I will I will, yeah, I will I will Google this but there is some things where you say as a black person you were referred as two instead of vous because a black uh adult didn't um didn't have the same was not didn't have the same important was not treated with the same equal respect as a white adult so it's very i mean like i said it's very so it, it was emotional it was um it's something that even if you don't speak french actually i think you should see it in french and then maybe read the translation but um but i'm sure in our notes i'm gonna put the quotation right there somewhere but beautiful speech and i think there's some rap rapper you know those conscious rappers here and there they always reference Lumumba and his speech and his fights yeah okay <laughs> so yeah so so Lumumba Patrice Lumumba and then after Lumumba um, like I said unfortunately I think uh, in 1965 something around that he was killed in a very um, dramatic way so dramatic exactly was it not just recently was it not last year when they found a uh, uh, a Belgian um, soldier or some soldier mm -hmm. who kept his teeth exactly. or something of that nature and they were returned back home to be buried. Exactly. You know, Christine, that's, you know, I didn't mention this fact, but now this is such an interesting fact you're raising. Actually, when Lumumba was killed, um, so he was killed by some uh, Congolese. Uh, yes. So some Congolese, how do you call them? Um, accomplices. It was, yeah, Mobutu also was part of the people who organized that. Uh, so, so they basically arrest him I don't know I think he was flying uh, he was running from Kinshasa he was trying to join some other cities he was arrested he was put in a plane he was sent in actually my my region which 
at that time they were they were having some secessions, some rebellions also. They wanted to um, set themselves apart from the rest of the Congo. So there were also a rebellion there. So they sent him in that city of Lubumbashi. They just put him somewhere very... Uh, they went in a very random field, whatever, and they killed him. And yes, they dissolved his body into the acid. And one of the person who basically um, um assisted or uh, was there to one of uh, his killers, it's a Belgium, I, I believe you're right, he was a soldier in at, at the time. And he said he kept his, 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 uh, his, his tooth. Mm. Can you believe that? He kept that for, for so many years. So the family and the Congolese, uh, state officials, for, they were trying to retrieve the teeth. And just last, uh, recently, last year, you're right. Yeah. It was repatriated and they, they buried him, they bury it as a symbol. So now it's only 30 something years later that he has a sort of official, uh, burial. Tom, yeah, burial. I saw visuals of women who were hysterical like many years after the fact. Exactly. And the fact that the soldier held on to this part of his body and it was on his own deathbed exactly. that he came clean and was like, hey, by the way. That is so shocking. And I've seen, uh, I've seen some, uh, footage of that guy when he was talking about, oh, I, I have the teeth. You know, like he's really talking as a, I don't know, as, um, as a butcher or whatever, a poacher and you, and you're like, oh my God, I've got a rhinoceros horn or something. It's so indecent. Yes, that is a beautiful <laughs> word. <laughs> Every time I think about his family, I'm like, oh my God. And yeah, how do, how, how do you feel for so many years? Like you don't even have a, 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 a place of burial to go and to reflect and to cry and to pray. And now you have this thing and you know that it's only, I think it was a golden tooth. That's why it's, it's, it I stayed. Think, yeah. I, I can't remember like the finite information, but I remember that story struck me in such a exactly. way. Exactly. I think it didn't, it didn't quite dissolve because it was like a golden tooth or something. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah. So that's the story. So that's one of the first, um, events, uh, the um, Lumumba speech. And after that, I'm going to take you into the Mobutu years. Christine uh, asked me about Mobutu, about Zaire. So um, actually, Mobutu was, um, as, was a military. I think he, he ranks, um, what before, before president, he was like a captain or a colonel or something like that. Uh, he was a journalist before that. He also participated into all these talks about the uh, independence, whatever. So I think he was working as, um, with Lumumba before that he was working as Lumumba. And there is this, these pictures, there's a lot of pictures where he almost into Lumumba's background. That's why people are always like, oh, your enemies are always, uh, they're exactly. They're, they're, they're not far. They're always somewhere into your entourage. Then eventually. Like the Thomas Sankara story. Exactly. Like such a, yeah, it's such a beautiful comparison. It's always the same. They're always people in the entourage and they're always like, huh, they're looking at you. They're plotting bad things against you and they will be used eventually against you. So that's Mobutu. Um, so yeah, Mobutu, his full name, uh, Mobutu Seseseko Kukungwendu Wasabanga. <laughs> so I think he, um, I think he took this name after that. Before that, he was just known as Joseph Desire Mobutu. So he was, yeah, the president for, from 32 years. Um, so my, my, the Wikipedia story is like he was a politician and a military officer who was the president of Zaire from 1965 to 1970. 1997, then it becomes the Democratic Republic of Congo after another topple. <laughs> um, Mobutu reigned for 32 years and I can say has pre presided over multiple, um, secessions, uh, attempt, rebellions attempt, separatist wars, also the degradation, degradation of the economic and the political situation. Mobutu was notorious for his, um, cult of personalities. Um, yeah, it was really, I don't know if you have images of, uh, China under Mao, Mao Zedong. Yes. All these big, uh, big, uh, festivities where people, they will be just singing and praising your name, etc. So that was, uh, I grew up when I was maybe from, 
I was born into this kind of uh, vibe up until maybe late teens. So it was him on TV. And I remember the, 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 um, the news at around eight. It was starting with these images of him coming out of the, <laughs> out of the cloud and the music. <laughs> and it was, it was so, 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 so dramatic. Can I ask, would yes. you call this like brainwashing really? I think it was brainwashing because for me, when I was a kid, I think it was, he had almost like a gold, uh, god status, like a semi-god, not god, like a semi-god status. It was like, yeah, it was big, uh, posters and billboards of him all over us. When he was traveling, it was always like, yes, hundreds of people, you, we have to lines. Okay. I never did that, but people had to line the street and wear flags and sing and dress. The color of the flag was green, mostly green and a bit of yellow and whatever. So yeah, people, they were, dancing green and whatever so yeah it was brainwashing can i say something absolutely yeah. small-minded mm -hmm. but okay you know sometimes we always think of history as this thing that is so far removed from ourselves exactly. right exactly but for me tonight it's actually just dawning on me that i'm sitting in the company of somebody who grew up a little bit under the reign of a dictator exactly no that's that's it and that's it even a little bit so it's from when i was born to when i was what late teens not even that far 70 six, 17 18 it's 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 a yeah. lot it's it's like the first part of my life like one quarter of, of my life no not one quarter one third one third but still yeah that's just never <laughs> you know because i always think oh dictators are this thing in history over there exactly but wow yeah and even like a little bit of uh, like personal things. My dad was arrested. My dad belongs to a group of um of uh, a bit of the euphemism for if I must say, okay. like student protests. They were protesting against him, against his rule, against whatever. I think he, I believe, he, he was in um at university. I think he was in in his twenties then. Yeah, they were arrested and they were even um condemned to the um, to 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 death. Uh yes, they, they, but apparently other people, including Mao's then, because they claimed themselves that they were socialists, like whatever, they were following Malo, Mao socialist things. They were condemned. He, he did like two years of prison or something, but then they received grace. <laughs> and some I am here. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. That is remarkable. Exactly. Yeah. So, so under Mobutu, a lot of things, obviously he was there for 20, 32 years. So a lot of interesting things happen. Um, if you recall in the second episode, I talked about, um, his tent, uh, his attempt of let's go back to our roots, authenticity. So this is one of the big, uh, one of the main feature of his, um, of his reign. Um, when I think when he was also, ha he was also having some beef with all the European support, whatever. Then he was like, Oh guys, we need to go back to our root, to our Africanity, to our um, authenticity. This is when I think the change, um, it changed the name of Congo into Zaire. Um, some people call it, uh, authenticity or Zairin, Oh, how do I pronounce it? Zairinization. Okay. It's back to Zaire. Some, yeah, the Zairinization of stuff. Yes. So it was like a state, um, ideology where it was like, we're going to go back to our African names. Um, we're going to start wearing, um, Western culture. So it was like, we, the uh, sort of, um, to go, um, apart from Western influences. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and I was saying, if you remember, I was saying this also really have a big impact into Congo in terms of the fashion, the clothing, the way we named uh, the, the names, etc. And because it was so big into the cult personalities, they were basically like a troupe created to always sing praise and dance and whatever, which I think I've contributed to, um, to, to to, 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 uh, to, uh, music being our, one of our biggest cultural exports. Okay. Yeah. So that's the story. So yeah, the music was, yeah, music was used around the cult of his personalities. And he did also, uh, he did organize few very interesting events, um, in the seventies because he wanted, um, attention to be put on, on his country. Like, oh, we're doing good. We're going, we're doing great. So what he did, I don't know if you can guess what happened in maybe the 74. Muhammad Ali's boxing match. Yes, rumble in the jungle. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so um 
actually what happened in the 70s, uh, the prices of the mineral, especially copper, was very high. It was so high. So Congo was making a lot of money on the um, exports of all these minerals, including coppers. At that time, coppers were using a lot of technology, I believe. And, um, and also, like I said, he wanted also to have these good images or, oh, we're doing so well. Um, he just wanted to have, um, to, to have a Zaire on the spotlight. So he had this idea of organizing this big, uh, festival and this big, um, uh, this big, uh, boxing game in Congo. I think uh, Mohamed Ali was banned uh, at that time because he didn't want to participate in Vietnam, right? Yes, because he was not happy to be recruited as a soldier to fight for the American agenda. And so he was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think he had lost his, his license for like two or three years. He couldn't fight. So when he, um, he got his license back, I think, what's the name of that, um, that promoter? Don, Don King. King, yes. <laughs> so I think Don King, um, some people approached, uh, Don King and maybe some Congolese official. I really don't know the, the background of how, who contacted who. And then they said, Oh, that would be a good idea for his first ever boxing match to go back to Africa. And that time the Americans, it was also like back to the roots. Um, they were very much into, yeah, the motherland, Africa, the Afro and stuff. So, so they, they organized this big game. It was, it was initially supposed to happen in September, um, 74, but I think Mohamed Ali suffered an injury. So they had to stay longer. There's a lot of beautiful images of Mohamed Ali jogging in the street of Kinshasa, running with kids. And this is where the famous, uh, sentence Ali Bomaye came from because when he was running, all the kids were Ali Bomaye. Yes. <laughs> all the kids, they were shout, uh, shouting like Ali, kill him, kill him because um a lot of people were drawn to Muhammad Ali personality. Uh, my dad who uh, went to the to the sporting event, I think every 20 something, every puppy person who was alive in that year in, in Kinshasa, I think they went <laughs> to that game. Um, they, they all say that, yeah, Ali was so like friendly and is talking to the people and Foreman was reserved. And at that time, from my dad's account and a lot of people account, they didn't like Foreman that much. <laughs> Everybody was like for Ali. They were like, yeah, kill him, kill him. Ali Bomaye in Lingala. So, so, so yeah, what, what I was saying is like it was supposed to take place in September. There was also a big, um, festival that was happening uh Zaire 74 um so there were um who was the singers there James Brown uh Celia Cruz a lot of Congolese singers Abeti Masikini Tepe Okejas Tabule Rosharo uh who was there also now I'm gonna read Miriam Makeba Miriam Makeba was there the spinners is it spinners 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 yes the spinners Bill Withers, Withers, Bill Withers, The Crusaders, Manu Dibango from Cameroon. Uh, so yeah, there's a movie called Soul, Soul Power. So yeah, so the, this festival was supposed to happen a few days before the fight, but then Mali, uh, Ali, sorry, was injured. They had to postpone the fight to October, but still the festival took place in September. And it was, um, they say it was broadcasted around 4 a.m. or something, Congo time, because they wanted people in the U.S. to see it on Prime. It's one of the biggest, um, that event and the fight was one of the biggest, uh, events of the 20th century. I think it was broadcasted to, broadcasted, sorry, to uh, an estimated audience of a billion worldwide. No, but I mean, that's really ballsy. And I really appreciate that you've told us this Mabutu story from the perspective <laughs> of dictator as well as acknowledging some of the other more exactly, notable. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Of course, it's, it's really considered, I, I mean, is his reign was atrocious. Like I said, my own, I know most, a lot of families, they can be like, um, people were arrested, people were tyrannized, people were terrorized, people were killed. It's really like, you know, but also, like I said, to um, clean up his images, he was doing all these things. Me, when I was a kid, I was like, when I, I when I was seeing all these things, I, like one of my dream was like to line up on the street and see him. But <laughs> with my parents, of course, being all these things, it would not ha- have happened. But like I said, yes, this is what he was doing. So um, did you hear, uh, if you, because also Yugma Sekela was there. I think he was one of the artistic director. Do you, did you, in, from the South African perspective, from your parents held the perspective, did you guys hear anything about the, the, the fight and the festival? 
Um, they may have because I mean I was only born in the early eighties, so this would have been before my own time. Yeah. But I suspect they had knowledge of these things. Mm. Um, my mother's parents were not necessarily radical, um, but they were woke. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure all the woke events, all the woke person, they were like, yeah, such a big, um, amazing event and back to our roots in Africa, whatever. I think, I really think in terms of PR, it gave a huge boost to Congo. The number of people you will see across the world with this, um, Zaire 70, uh, 74 t-shirt. I would like to get one, actually. I was not born also, but <laughs> I would like to cop one of this t-shirt, actually. And oh yes, in the 2000 something, a couple of years ago, one of uh, Ali's daughters went back and she visited and stuff. I think it would be nice to, uh, uh, around that stadium. I went to the stadium is a bit re- uh, run down, but it would be nice maybe to have a sort of, a, how do you say that? A museum, something around that. That would be nice. But before we move on from the boxing, I just want to tell an anecdote about Don yes. King. Once upon a time, I attended a birthday party and we had to come dressed as like icons or people we looked up to. <laughs> so I went and I decided I was going to go as Einstein and I had a bit of an afro and I put baby powder in my hair and I went and all the people who were there of all sorts of races um, didn't get that I was Einstein and they all thought I was Don King. Ah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so, yes. so, so your, your hair was more for Afro than Einstein's hair. Basically, that was the perception. Okay. I was is he still alive, by the way? Who, Don King? Yes. That I'm is not, a good question. I'm not sure. We'll have to Google that. I don't know. I don't know. So, and also that I, I will have to go back to check that documentary because, um, I remember I saw one images where James Brown and a lot of, um, all these Americans artists were traveling to Congo, even Mohamed Ali. They were so proud and shocked because they were flying. I think it was Hair Zaire at the time or Mobutu had, I'm sure he, um, he, what do you say that he took, uh, uh a book afraid what do you say that when you take a personal shelter the plane yes uh for them and they were like oh my god look at that these are black pilots whatever it was so so interesting so interesting <gasps> don king is still alive really how old is he well he was born in 1954 the maths will work itself <laughs> okay yeah guys do the math do the math i'm not i'm not great with <laughs> with that no I lie he was born in 1931 so yes. he's 91 91 oh great oh okay yeah so now that we talk about this uh, rumble in the jungle I think it's a great transition into the domina- the domination of the rumba music from the um, late 60s early 70s to the early 2000s Okay, you know what? I think the rumba music exploration could fit really well in our next sort of podcast where we unpack and explore all things musical and what music means to us. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, Christine, that's a good idea. Let's talk more about our rumba music later. But I'm just going to say that obviously now you understand between the connection, the emphasis Mobutu was putting on culture and music. Um, yeah, rumba music was one of the biggest uh, cultural export in the 90s. I'm sure you know some Congolese name, Kofiolomide, Papa Wemba, etc. But I think a good way to finish, to land this episode is to talk about the connection between Congo and its diaspora. So uh, there's an interesting fact. Actually, one of my friends, Tanya, which um, she's a travel blogger, Congo Travels. I hope we can have her on one of these episodes. She traveled to Colombia and she went to this village. Uh, not, I don't know if it's a village. Well, there's a town in Colombia that was created by some runaway slave. And one of the, the, the captured slave was actually a king, a son of a king in pre-colonial Congo, but we're not sure if it's uh, Congo or Angola because all these kingdoms were connected. So um, it just took some of uh, his people, they created a town and apparently there they've got, they kept a lot of feature of, they talk about their connection to Congo and my friend said you can really see the feature, the colors. I, I don't know if you've seen these pictures of this Colombian lady with colorful dresses with fruit on the head and the city is called uh, Palenque, San Basilio de Palenque. So um, 
There's a lot of uh, of places like that with a connection in Congo. I'm gonna just gonna cite mention them quickly. There's Congo Squares in New Orleans. Apparently, is the place which considered the birth of um, the jazz. jazz. Yes, the jazz music. Apparently, one of the um, historical figure in Haiti, Toussaint Louverture. They say it's also got some Congo's heritage. And also, I think I'm gonna finish with this since we in, in South Africa. Since you're South African, there's a connection with some people in Congo and the Zulu people. Actually, the tribe I belong to, the Luba tribe, it was an empire, Luba empire. Uh, people say the Zulu people probably uh, got their ancestry, their heritage there. And there is even some connection. There even some uh, connection, some. Uh, so the, the actual Zulu, no, the previous Zulu king, actually, his kingdom. They were even talking with some kings from the Baluba tribe there in Congo. They were doing things. And I think if I remember, even went to Congo, they were meeting and they were doing a lot of things. But because of the xenophobic incident of 2008, six, something like that, they didn't pursue this thing. But I know there always some connection. They talk. So there is this knowledge that, yeah, we, we come from the same place. So, so yeah. Obviously, guys, um, we'll need so much time to talk about Congo. As time goes goes by, there will always be a plenty of opportunity for me to attach some narratives, some stories, some experiences, maybe some guests to talk more about Congo, depending on the topic. But I guess for today, that's about it. It was just a quick overview. And yeah, Christine, what do you think? I think it was really, really necessary. The more we get to have a picture and understanding of these other countries and territories that we have yet to travel to, it is so helpful in forming our understandings of the people we live among because so many people have migrated to other parts of this continent, of this world, the diaspora. Mm -hmm. So I welcome it. So go out. Equip yourselves with the knowledge and the appetite exactly. to learn more about exactly our fellow Africans yes. and on this you, planet. Yes, and if you want to, to know more, there's a lot of um, bloggers, TikTokers, Instagrammers that talk about uh, modern Congo. I didn't have time to dive into it, but obviously after Mobutu's reign, there were a couple of transitions. Kabila, the father first, and then Kabila, uh, son. the son. And then now we've got uh, our current president is Chisekedi. But yeah, Basically, in a nutshell, after Mobutu, there were a couple of... Mobutu was toppled eventually. <laughs> there were a couple of transitions, also a couple of conflict and political uh, instability. But yeah, now... So that's where we went back to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And yeah, we had our first um, democratic elections in 2006, I believe. Our second was just like um, in 20. 19, I think, which now we've got uh, our current president, Chisekedi. And yeah, I think we'll have time to, plenty of time to talk about Congo as it is now, like I said. But for today, that's it. Thank you, Patricia. You're welcome. So, guys, let us know what you think. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, thank to you, you for soon. listening. Keep your ears open for the next episode coming soon. <laughs> <laughs>